Many companies have failed because of one real fact. It's lack of investment in products, but people, facilities. That continual drive to be the best they can be necessitates that you invest in the people and the skills that they have. Welcome to today's MTD podcast. I'm Paul Jones, the Managing Director and Founder of the business. Today, I'm joined by Joe Reynolds. We're here at Mazak, their European headquarters in Worcester. Fantastic podcast coming up today. In fact, we're going to be joined by three gentlemen from Mazak. Stuart Astley, who's the Production Director. He's going to be telling us about life, his side of the business. We'll also be talking to Lawrence McCann about some of the products that are actually designed and developed here, the CV5500 being one of them. But firstly, we're joined by Alan Mucklow, who's the UK Sales and Marketing Managing Director for the business here in the UK. Welcome to the show, Alan. It's good to see you. I thought it'd be good to start maybe getting a little bit of a background to your history here at Mazak, how long you've been here and, and sort of where you've come from. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, again, thanks for coming into Mazak. Um, I've been with the company now 10 years. Starting life originally, there was an apprentice, which I'm extremely proud of, especially having just had the apprenticeship week. Uh, National Week here in the UK. So starting off as an apprentice, moving through the machine tool industry, some famous names within the UK machine tool sector, then joining Mazak, say, 10 years ago, initially as product manager, then moving to European product manager, and now more recently, over the last three years, the position of UK sales and marketing managing director. Okay, now kind of to set the scene, and we have done this to a degree in the intro to the podcast, but three of you joining us today, one after the other, um, yourself with more of a holistic overview of the business and the manufacturing here in the UK, market trends, manufacturing trends, and obviously Lawrence to maybe dig into a bit of detail about one or two of the products, and then Stuart to give us an overview of the factory and how that all works. But firstly, Alan, tell us about current market for you, the activity and how things are for Mazak. Yeah, we've enjoyed a strong period again. 2019 was another good year, strong year for Mazak, growing our market share. And that's really testimony to the product range we have and also the fact that we are, of course, based here in the UK, which gives us significant benefits um, having this presence. In terms of the market itself, clearly there are some challenges we're facing at the moment, generally across not just the UK, but we still see it as reasonably strong. Our forecast for 2020 really lines up with those of companies such as Oxycurrent Forecasting, the MTA, where they see the market going from 2020 and strengthening into 2021 and beyond. So I'm quite confident that this will be a strong year, but of course there are issues that we're all aware of that could impact on that, but we hope not. Yeah, so we're here in your wonderful UK facility. How much of an advantage is it? Obviously, you've got the sales and support. I'm referring to the manufacturing. It's a massive advantage. Now, we can't get away from the fact that having this facility here, 29,000 square metres of manufacturing space, state-of-the-art machine shop, and stewards will talk about the investment we're making in the facility. So the ability to bring our customers here for the breadth of industries across the UK is a massive advantage. There are very few people that don't come here and aren't impressed. It's our best sales tool. And we try and leverage it as much as we can. But that's a continual process of investment in the facility and re-engineering of the facility to make it relevant for our customers. With a bit of a sales background from myself in machine tools, it'd be interesting to know whether you do any analysis on the kind of conversion rate you get from bringing people here. Because coming here, it is quite mind-blowing, not just going in, obviously into your tech centre, but when you go into where we're going to talk about with Stuart as well, seeing it all come together, it fills you with confidence, doesn't it? It does. And I think that's the important word you said there, confidence. And the facility is one thing. I think our biggest strength, in fact, is actually the people here. 
both across the manufacturing facility and particularly from my point of view in the sales facility and the application engineers that can really take our products, which we believe are world-class, and deliver world-class solutions. And there's a defined link between that product and the people's capability in doing that. So we're pretty confident most people that come here end up probably selecting Mazak as their preferred supplier. So the messaging is, if you're not sure, don't come, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't comment probably on the that. Op- <laughs> probably the opposite. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, and in terms of sales, what percentage of sales is sold in the UK that are actually built in the UK? Is that a number you measure? If I give an example of probably European numbers, 50% of what we sell into Europe goes into that area from this factory. Wow. So the number would be pretty similar for the UK, I would expect. So it's a hugely important factor, not just for the UK market, but for our European market and is why we are based here um, in Europe and why we believe the UK is such a strong position for having this facility and investing in this facility for the long term. And what is the output in terms of units from here that are made in a year then? Our capacity here is over 100 machines per month and that range is growing. We have 55 models built here in Worcester. So you can understand the variability is quite high. So our production processes are geared towards maintaining that efficient production of the high variability of product range. So you must be a big employer in the region as well then when you take into account the manufacturing that happens here. I mean, there's a few driving to site today. There's a few big businesses that we could mention. But when it comes to Worcester and surrounding areas, yeah, is that Mazak? Are you a big, do you take a lot of the local economy? Is that? Yeah, we have a very close relationship with Worcestershire area in terms of being involved with the Chamber of Commerce, the local LEP. And skills within the area are important to us. And we try and develop those. Our apprenticeship program is obviously key to that and retaining those skills is extremely important it's not the sort of process that you can automate building a machine tool there's a lot of human skill that goes into that process and we're very proud of that connection to Worcester the reason we're here in Worcester is because of the history that Worcester has in machine tool building so I think there's a strong connection and we are as a result a large employer along with some other as you mentioned large people well, I would, encur- close to us. I would encourage people to come here to look at the facility and the machines, not just for the technology, but the infrastructure and everything that surrounds it. It is, I would have to say, very, very impressive. Talking about apprentices, like you mentioned at the start of this, it has been the Apprentice Week recently. How many do you take on here? We take a number of apprentices. It's usually in the region of about 12 to 15 per year. And we've recently won National Apprentice Awards, our apprentices, young lady. And I'm sure Stuart will talk about that. And it's just something that he's very passionate about in bringing back to this company uh, because the apprenticeship route is an important route into this business, this industry. We have over 250 apprentices here who've come through an apprenticeship route, not necessarily at Mazak, but through an apprenticeship scheme. And many of our senior management team here have come through that route as well. So it's a very important way of entering into the machine tool, the manufacturing, the engineering sector and becoming a success in it. Like you say, Stuart will tell us more in a short while, but there's a lot of uncertainty globally, politically and otherwise, but you're still continuing to invest in the UK, aren't you? Yes, and that's important. I think many companies have failed because of one real factor, and that's lack of investment in not just the products, but the people, the facilities. I think that continual drive to be the best that you can be necessitates that you invest in, in the right fabric of your building, the fabric of your equipment that you're using, and the people and the skills that they have. We're investing a lot of money in this facility and have done. Um, as people that visit here will see, uh, new machinery, state-of-the-art uh, monitoring systems for our products so that we can be the most efficient manufacturer of machine tools 
in Europe and globally. And you need to be because we're not a low-wage economy. You need to be able to compete. And I mean, Alan, interestingly, there are other UK manufacturers of machine tools, not as many as there used to be. Would you still consider, and there's obviously a lot of competition generally for your machines, but would you say that when it comes to other UK manufacturers, your site, your infrastructure and your output is the biggest? In terms of volume of units, I would suggest it is the biggest. And I think one key differentiator for us from other manufacturers here in the UK is how vertically integrated we are here. We are a true manufacturing site, machining, sub-assembly, assembly, in association also with the design and development of our products. So I think that really does differentiate us from not just the UK manufacturers, but many of our European competitors are perhaps more of an assembly facility. We're very proud of the fact that we have a complete cradle-to-grave responsibility for the products that we are producing and selling into the UK and beyond. Yeah, just my final one for Alan, really. It's for the people who are listening who obviously know of Mazak. Just tell them about your applications department, the sheer size of that. That's something that would set you apart. Many competitors have a similar department, but not at your scale, potentially. No, and I think it's something we recognised probably about 10 years ago, that the market was changing, the needs of our customers was changing, their requirement for support was growing because of them losing perhaps the in-house skills. So we took a decision to invest more and more in our applications group, growing it to over 20 people. And the nice thing is it's the scope of the department is from very experienced to new, younger engineers coming in who bring a lot to that party in terms of new ideas and providing new solutions to it. What is a very wide range of demands that are placed on us from medical to automotive to aerospace to general subcontracts. So it's probably the key thing that differentiates us from a sales point of view in the UK market, along with this facility. I think it's evident, really, that there was always and still is two sides, or probably more to sell a machine tools. There's when an engineer has a requirement, he knows what machine he wants, you sell it to him, you install it, and he's away. Or there's the turnkey element where you support him with all of the applications that he needs as well. And it seems very obvious that you can manage successfully both of those. Alan, before you go, favourite machine built here? I guess there's there's two really, but I guess the one that really resonates with me, and I'm sure it'll be spoken about a lot at Mac, is the VTC series. I think it was conceived here in Europe. We've manufactured over a thousand machines here in this facility, and it's a fantastic platform which has solved many a problem in many a customer across Europe and beyond. So yeah, I guess the VTC 800 series is perhaps my personal favourite. Follow closely by the CV5 500, of course. Okay, well, you won't be on your own. You're not the only one we're going to ask that question today. So thank you very much for your time today, Alan, and for joining us on this podcast. Coming up after the break, we're going to be joined by Lawrence McCann, and we're going to be talking technically about the CV5 500, one of the latest five-axis machines to be taken, not just the UK market, but the world market by storm. Thank you very much, Alan. Thank you. Looking for a new five-axis machining centre? One that offers precision machining, whether it be four plus one or full five-axis? Mazak have recently launched their new CB5500, a machine that is equipped with nice-to-have features that ensure reliable and performance machining without the price tag that you would expect. Mazak leaders in the manufacture of advanced technology solutions, including multitasking, five-axis, milling, turning, CNC controls and automation. Check out this machine and more on their website, www.mazakeu.co.uk. So Lawrence, next up in the hot seat, welcome to the podcast. Lawrence, tell us a little bit about yourself, your position here and your history with Mazak. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you for inviting us today. 
Yeah, my history, I started off as a toolmaking apprentice and then I joined Mazak about 25 years ago as an application engineer. And then for 10 years, I ran the UK applications and projects department, then moved on to European product management. And currently, I'm the general manager of European sales engineering. Well, sounds a bit of a theme here, Joe, doesn't it? The, the yeah. Coming through the ranks seems to be quite, quite evident here. UK built. It is. And well, part of you joining us today, Lawrence, is that we're going to be talking really kind of a bit about the journey of a machine's development through to it, well, its conception through to its actually landing in production and being on the shop floor. And for this instance, we're going to focus as a result of time mainly on the CV5500, which is a new product to you. Maybe let's set the scene a bit for that. Could you tell us a little bit about the CV5500 before we get into where it came from? Yeah, the CV5500 is our latest entry-level five-axis machine. And so it's really geared up and designed around entry-level customers who want to get onto the five-axis journey. We recognized around uh, two years ago that there was a segment we weren't actively involved in and very rapidly gone to market. We've discussed with customers, with our sales staff, and with the engineering team here at Worcester, the requirements for that product. And you've seen it, Joe. I mean, it's developed here, designed here, built here, which is part of the theme of today's show. Exactly. I know we won't talk price today, but the amount of technology into that machine tool for the price that's available in the markets, it's staggering, really, because what Mazak would never do is put inferior products into a machine tool. So you're still getting the build quality. You're still getting all the quality you'd expect from a UK-built machine by Mazak, Mm -hmm. but not the price. Yeah, exactly. It's performance at, at value. I think that's the best way of describing it. We've clearly got the SmoothX control on there. We've got roller cam technology on the rotary axes, through ball school cooling. There are no compromises in terms of the performance. When you talk about performance on a machine, there's a lot of factors. There's reliability, there's speed, there's accuracy. All of those come into play, don't they, here when you're developing a product such as this? Yeah, you have to start with certain criteria that you're going to work with in terms of performance. Now, we've focused on metal removal rate. Clearly, you need to be able to remove material by roughing very quickly. Equally, agility is very important with rotary axes moving effectively together. And that has got to be combined with the ability to have stability in terms of accuracy over extended periods of time. So you have to have the right cooling, as I touched on with the ball screws. You need to have the right cooling with the spindle as well. And equally, the machine is configurable. We've got packages which allow it to be configured, but options such as spindles, we've got the two key RPMs available there at 12,000 and 18,000 RPM. So if you're biased towards steel or maybe aluminium, there's a choice that you can make there so that you can tailor the machine. Magazine size can be tailored and equally automation can be very effectively realised. Sorry to jump in, Joe. Just going back a bit, for those that haven't seen the CV5500, the type of machine it is, a five-axis machine in centre, is it a trunnion-style, bridge-type, gantry? What's the configuration? You've got a bridge construction there, and then the rotary axes are trunnion-style, so they're stacked one on top of the other. But really our focus there has been to maintain accuracy. A considerable effort with FEA and the design teams to ensure the accuracy over extended periods of time. So if we go right back to day one, the beginning of the journey, someone's come up with an idea of an entry-level five-axis machine. When did that happen? Obviously, where are we today? Is the product available? We were actively looking at this product around Mac 2018, and we've got processes that we adopt to help us understand our market requirements, clearly interacting with customers, 
interacting with our subsidiaries across Europe to understand the market requirement. We built that up quite rapidly to an outline machine spec in terms of performance, established some baselines, and then actively started to work with the engineering teams in a concept manner for the machine layout. So we're talking about two years to get from an idea to an actual commercial product you can build and sell. Yes, yeah, that's right. I'm sure our production director, Stuart Ashley, will touch on concurrent engineering, but that's been an important aspect to take the thing to market as quickly as possible. Equally, recognising configurable option packages that allow easy build and easy selection by customers has been a considerable area of focus for us. And do you see this just being a European product? Obviously, within your vast range, you've got the J-Series and other machines as well that fall under the five-axis category. Do you, because obviously there's overlap, do you see it predominantly being a European machine or would it go global? At this stage, it's a European-focused project, clearly manufactured in the factory alone at Worcester. But I think you have to see how products go to market how it fits with the overall product strategy. And yes, things can change in the future. And are you that adaptable then here as a business that you can go to the market and you can say, right, there's a gap there. I know before we started this podcast, Lawrence, you were talking about business segment development. So you, as a company, you look at areas that might be growth areas and you say, right, we need to fill a gap there. We need to develop a machine. And what we're saying here is that Over the course of a two-year period, you can go from idea to having sold already these machines. I mean, how often is this happening? Well, this is a drumbeat that we'd like to continue, really. It's been very successful. And we've got the Department of European Sales Engineering, whose role is predominantly strategic development. And one of the aspects that you just touched on was business segment development, where we're actively going out and looking at gaps in the market, both in terms of industry, in terms of machine tool, customer, customer demographics, and we focus on those. And if we recognize that there is a gap, we start the processes that then enable us to develop a product. And involved in that is the advanced engineering side where you're working with graduates as well to find out what they feel or where the market is going or the innovations that they could help you develop. Yeah, I mean, the two key points relating to advanced technology that we adopt. One is we've got academic links, so we can recognize technologies before they're coming to market. And then we can work effectively in that arena. But equally, when the product is approaching the market, then we've got advanced project engineering where we'll take that and we'll commercialise it. And historically, that's the most challenging part for businesses is to recognise commercial value and to get it out there into the market. This must be the tough bit for Stuart, which I'm sure he'll tell us about in a minute, where you guys rock up and say, here you go, we want you to develop one of these. (laughs) 10 of these, please. (laughs) By 12 months' time. But I know as a team, that's obviously the whole ethic of Mazak, isn't it? To be able to take it from one area to another. Lawrence, we asked Alan the same question. It's been great having you here. Your favourite products that the business supplies. And you have the privilege of hearing Alan's on the podcast earlier, so you probably had a chance to think about it. Yeah, I mean, whilst I was an application engineer, my specialist machine was Integrex. And so I'd have to say the 1997 Integrex 200. But written yeah. that part, 1997, <laughs> yeah. that was yeah, Because it was, was groundbreaking born. at the time and yeah. it just turned heads wherever it went. What was groundbreaking about it? It had a B-axis and so it was capable of five-axis machining and back then nothing else could, could do that. 
Really good. Really good. Oh, there we are. Didn't yeah. see that one coming. Uh, thank you very much. Well, Lawrence, thank you very much for joining us on today's podcast. Coming up after the break, we're going to be joined by Stuart Astley, who's going to be talking to us in more detail about the UK manufacturing facility here at Mazak, the investment in the factory, and yeah, how life is that side of the business. Thank you very much, Lawrence, for joining us. Thank you. Looking for a new five-axis machining centre? One that offers precision machining, whether it be four plus one or full five-axis. Mazak have recently launched their new CB5500, a machine that is equipped with nice-to-have features that ensure reliable and performance machining without the price tag that you would expect. Mazak leaders in the manufacture of advanced technology solutions, including multitasking, five-axis, milling, turning, CNC controls and automation. Check out this machine and more on their website, www.mazakeu.co.uk. So we're now joined by Stuart Astley, Production Director for Mazak. Stuart, welcome to the MTD podcast. As we've done with Lawrence and Alan, maybe you could just give us a very, very brief overview of your position here at the business and history. Great. So uh, thank you. I have actually been with Mazak now for 13 years. I am the uh, Production Director. I started off my career as a mechanical apprentice back in 1983. Very proud of that. Worked at Mazak for 13 years. I started off as the spindle service manager, and then moved to European service, and then three years ago I became a production director. So what happens the other side, should we say? I mean, we come here a lot to the open houses, we look at machines, we review them, but we really want to know in this section of the podcast, what is life like for Stuart Astley behind the walls in the factory? Talk us through maybe a day-to-day or a week-to-week here at Mazak. Okay, yeah, I mean, the factory is where the rubber really hits the ground. So it's a busy, it's an exciting time for us at the moment. We've got an order book, which is still looking positive. We have many challenges in the factory. The thing which is really, really important to us is being able to ensure that we have good machine deliveries, where we're flexible enough to be able to adapt to what customers want and what the sales guys want, and we can deliver a good quality product on time at the right cost. It's a challenge. That's what we aim to do. So you're not making hundreds of thousands. It's not a car plant here. So are they made to order? And do the same machines go down the same line? Like in a car facility, you'd get Ford Escorts back in the day. Whereas here, it might be a VTC and then a two-axis lathe and then a CV5, for instance. Yeah, we don't really build for stock. We build sold machines. Every machine really is individual. There's a basic specification but then from a customization of options point of view so every machine really is individual and we don't have moving lines we have static builds so that we can get the accuracies of the machine but we tend to build the machines in product families so we build lathes in one section vcns in another section vtc 530s 800s there lies your challenge isn't it you're making lots of machines but maybe not two of the same that must be a challenge It is a challenge. It really is. Some machines we would build a lot of, which is okay. The guys get very familiar with the processes. But then if maybe some specification or some requirement that a customer wants, which may be something we only see once a year or twice a year. And those sort of things bring their own challenges because it's keeping the guys up to date with training, the engineering information so that they can see this new specification or this new option, know what they have to do, make sure the material's there, 
make sure the information's there for the guys to be able to build the machine for what the customer wants. So that does give us some challenges, yes. What's the problems you face here? When you're coming in the morning, what's a common sort of, oh, not that again. How are we going to make that better? Because every business has one and it's good to know what it would be for you. One of the challenges we have now is because we have very good machine availability. So if a customer wants a machine today, we worked very, very hard on reducing our lead times. We've probably, in some cases, reduced our lead times now by about 70%. That gives a challenge because if a customer wants a specific option or specification, if it's a non-standard item, we then have to source the item, we have to cost the item, and then we have to get delivery of the item. So with reduced lead times, quite often those lead times will be shorter, I should say, than some of the components that we actually purchase. So it's a challenge for us every day to make sure that we get the balance right between customer delivery time and the time it actually takes us to identify and purchase some parts. And the facility here at Worcester, I've actually been around it. It's impressive. It's actually a factory of the future, isn't it? It's a smart factory as well. So what can you tell us about that? Yes. So in the last two years, we've actually spent a lot of money on the factory. We've spent over 11 million euros in the factory. We have had an Integrex i300 and i400 with a full automation. We have had a QT250 MSY with full automation. We've just replaced our old horizontal jig borer with the VTC800. So a UK machine, very high precision, very, very accurate machine. We put an automated paint plant into the factory. We've built a large extension at the back. and We've also extended our assembly area. So we spent a lot of money in the factory in the last two years. And why have you done this? In order to improve throughput of machines, reduce overheads of build? What was the driving forces? It was all those things, really. We're gearing up for the future. We want to make this a factory that's capable of making 130 machines a month. The automation especially helps us drive down our costs. It allows us to have 24-hour or 48-hour unmanned working. It allows us to bring parts back in-house. So all those things reduce my costs, which also means if I can make things in-house, I can reduce my lead times. And just to give us a flavour of the size of the factory that you've got here and how many machines are making machines, paint the picture. Why I've got a workforce of just over 500 people. In the factory, we do everything from laser cutting sheet metal. We do press break bending, painting. We've got large casting machining. We use all our own machines. So we've got Versatec 140s. We do all our own grinding. We do all our own sub-assembly and our assembly and test. And would you have an opinion on what we're doing here? I think it's terrific. I really think it's fantastic, the UK manufacturing, and especially the way that you've invested so recently in what you've just said. But some of the lower cost economies around the world are pumping out machines in much, much higher volumes. Is this, where are the differences, do you think, in your opinion, and what is enabling you to still be able to compete against some of those volume manufacturers in lower cost economies? Is it down to these things like automation? And Yes, it is. I mean, I can't get away from the fact that in some of the lower cost countries, labour is far, far cheaper than it is in the UK. So automation allows me to bring down my manufacturing costs, because if I can get a machine which I can man for four or five hours in the morning and then run that for 24 hours or 48 hours, that automatically brings my labour cost down. So automation for me is definitely the way to go and I think for the future. Yeah, exactly. You've just put a tower system in. I can't think of the name of it, but it's that where you're basically using, instead of losing floor space, you actually stack in vertically. That's correct, yes. It's actually a a robo-job tower. We've got two systems in the factory. 
and that allows us to feed raw material in and put finished components out. And that system allows us to run actually 48 hours unmanned. So on a Friday morning, we can press go and the machine runs all weekend. It'd be interesting for you what you do here and what you've developed and what you've got. When you go out to see, and do you go out to see UK manufacturers, precision engineers that buy your machines, you've got such a wealth of knowledge that you must be able to educate them and say, look, you should see what we've done here at Mazak in terms of improving productivity and going throughput. You've got the same problems, haven't you? Yeah, you've got, yeah, you've okay, got they're the same making challenges. Widgets, you're making machines, yeah. but you've got the same challenge. Yeah, so you would almost be a fantastic ambassador or salesman to go out to these places and say, look what we've done. Yes, we do. I mean, because we have so many people visit the factory, we have 4,000 people a year come around the factory. Obviously, most of those are customers. Quite often we get asked, how do you do it? What do you do here? What do you do differently? So we go out and visit customers. We will advise them on what we do in the factory. We will show them some of our techniques. But it's not all down to spending money either. A lot of it is down to the people. And we've got a Kaizen culture in the factory. We really want to engage our people. Our people are engaged at all different levels of the business We've run many, many different projects around about productivity and lean manufacturing. So it is about spending money on automation and new machinery, but also it's about people. And the ones that have used to maybe do the jobs that the automation is doing now, have they been upskilled? Are they doing newer and more challenging tasks? Yes, yes. Again, it is a challenge, this, because automation brings a new set of challenges, a new set of skills. So we are upskilling our people. And importantly, we have a very, very good apprenticeship scheme. And the apprenticeship scheme allows us to bring young people into the business. And these are the people of the future who really are technology savvy. They're not afraid of technology. So it's important that we bring these new young people into the business and grow them through the business. Brilliant. I couldn't put it better myself. Yeah, fantastic insight. So that's three areas of the business we've looked at today. Stuart, I've asked the others and going to ask you as well. Favourite product in the time that you've been here at Mazak that you've put through your factory? I know you're going to say that they're all fantastic. And I know <laughs> talking to your customers that they do stand out in a lot of instances. But what's one for you? The CV5 has promised, but it's a new machine. The VTC 800, that's been with us now for a number of years. And that's been a good, stable, fantastic machine for the factory. Good stuff. Okay. Thank you very I much. I thought you might say that one. Well, there you have it. What a podcast today here from Mazak. Thank you very much for your time, Stuart. And also, obviously, want to extend our thanks to both Alan and Lawrence. What a fantastic podcast. Thanks for joining us as well, Joe. It's been great to learn. No, great day. All about not just Mazak from a machine technology perspective, but what goes behind it as well. Thank you very much and join us for the next MTD podcast next Monday. Thanks for listening to the MTD podcast. If you found value in this episode, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. Find more episodes on mtdcnc.com.